Hello and welcome to Connected by Life. I'm your host, Sean Paul Harrison. Connected by Life was created to have engaging conversations about important topics that impact physicians and our clinical stakeholders in regards to organ donation and transplantation. Today we'll be discussing how to avoid early conversations of donation to families and the impact that it can have on the outcome. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, please do so because this is a continuation of that conversation. Today's guest is Dr. Jonathan Eaton. He's a critical care physician at LSU Oshner Health in Shreveport. He is a physician champion and someone that has been very supportive of families and the donation process. We're going to pick up where we left off in the last episode, so let's get to it. When I have a patient who, okay, I think this is the direction they're going, um, you know, this isn't looking good, uh, maybe they're going to progress to brain death, or, you know, in some situations, maybe they're not, but, you know, I still think given the uh, catastrophic injury they have, even if they don't progress to brain death, that, you know, they may be a donation after circulatory death candidate, is to, you know, seek out LOPA early on. Um, and, and, you know, the nursing staff is always, you know, making their referrals and that sort of thing. But um, I always ask them, hey, have you talked to LOPA? Uh, what, did, what did they tell you? Are they planning on sending somebody? Um, and kind of seek LOPA out early on uh, as a physician to start having those conversations. Again, my focus is still on the patient and primarily treating them, but at the same time, you know, not wanting to potentially miss an opportunity because, you know, somebody forgot to call or whatever the case may be, just kind of reminding everybody that, hey, this is, this is our obligation, not just to this patient, to their family, um, but to all those uh, patients who are out there uh, waiting on, the, uh, you know, a second chance, the gift of life. Um, but I really, I do try and seek out LOPA and have those conversations with them. What is it that we can do? Uh, because sometimes you may be able to head off some of these early approaches by having these conversations with LOPA early on and, you know, having those family advocates, you know, give you some tips and tricks on maybe how to navigate these conversations if it's not something you're used to doing. The other thing is too, so we're talking about this, these conversations and this really being a collaborative team when we're working with the family and the opportunity of donation. And so, you know, I think one of the things that you all have really helped us with is giving the idea of where that family's at, you know, as far as from emotionally and and the understanding of, of the prognosis or the death or whatever the case may be so that we can work together. So bringing in that family advocate and being able to support and the timing of that conversation and that opportunity. So, so the next thing I'd like to talk about, since we've you know talking about we've talked about avoiding an early conversation, the aspects that are important in the timing of that conversation, and probably one of the last things I'd like to wrap up with is you know we've talked about avoiding the the early conversation or donation, what it's like to work collaboratively as, as a team to support that family and transition into supporting and having the conversation about donation. What I'd like to talk about now is, you know, the impact of that organized approach to support and the conversation of, you know, the donation opportunity. Like, what do you see as that impact 
both for the family and everyone else that's involved? I mean, I think one of the things that by nature, uh, you know, I've always been a big advocate for um, working in an ICU is a team approach. I mean, you know, me as a physician can't take care of a patient by myself. It requires nursing, requires respiratory therapists, and, and on and on and on. Include any number of people that you want to include. It, it takes a team effort. Um, and certainly at the end of life, that also takes a team effort. Um, you may be adding additional people. You may be adding palliative care to that conversation, uh, adding LOPA to that conversation, uh, depending on the nature of the patient um, and, and their, their medical problems and that sort of thing. But I've always been a big proponent of a team approach, and, and I don't think that stops um, with uh, potential, uh, potential donation candidates. Um, I think it, uh, it it becomes even more important uh, in light of these difficult conversations, and, and I really want to stress that none of these conversations are easy at end of life, but um, especially when, when you talk about uh, the opportunity to, to give life uh, and to become an organ donor, it becomes an even more difficult conversation and, and sometimes a difficult conversation to navigate. But I think that makes it even more important to, to have this team approach uh, whereby the, the patient's family has that trust in you that, that you're doing what's, what's best for the patient. Um, and if you've developed that rapport uh, with that family, then, then having them, having, letting them see you present um, all the time and, even when LOPA comes in and the patient advocate, uh, family advocate comes in uh, to have those initial conversations, seeing you there present, knowing that you're still there, you're not leaving that patient regardless of what the situation is. And as far as, you know, the timing of approaching, I had a, a case recently that, that um, I think really illustrates this and, um, you know, patient was not brain dead, but was showing some signs that were maybe consistent with that um uh, approaching that uh, approaching that point and um uh, the family advocate was there and and we talked and said you know what do you think about you know where this family's at and everything else and i'd already had uh, kind of a preliminary conversation with them just more of a general update of you know this is the patient's condition and here's what their status is here's what i think their prognosis is and here's what we're going to continue to do um, so this was my second conversation with his family and, and, you know, we, we, the family advocate and I kind of talked where we went in the room and just said, you know, let's kind of feel this family out and see where they're at. Um, and, you know, after I came out of the room, I said, you know, absolutely not. Do not go in that room. It is, it is not the right time. Um, the family's really, really conflicted. They're really struggling with, you know, where things are at. It was a patient who had had a, a traumatic injury. So, uh, they were really struggling with kind of with understanding with you know what happened and everything. So I think that's a really good example of of having that conversation, you know, and ultimately this patient didn't progress to brain death and it wouldn't have been uh, it was not a donor candidate uh, at that point. But you know, turn the situation around and say they had progressed to brain death and and whatnot, and the family advocate had gone in that room after that conversation. And you can almost guarantee that that, that family would not have uh, would not have opted for uh, that patient to become uh, a donor uh, because it just they weren't there yet. They weren't at the right time. And I think that's something where physicians like us can really help uh, and work with LOPA to, to understand um, when maybe that appropriate time is uh, 
to go in and have those conversations. That is true about the the communication between us too, because you know even though Loper the fam the you know the family advocates of Loper are leading those conversations. Uh, we're talking about the right time. We're talking about the appropriate time. And you all give a lot of information that can help us when we're transitioning into that family. The other thing that I'd like to mention, too, is that you were talking about you all having a conversation and transitioning Lopa into the room. And it's that trust. It's a, a handoff of trust. And I think that that's really great for a family to see as they're moving forward into making decisions on those next steps. So, yeah, I mean, I, I always really do make uh, make an effort when I've got a patient who's uh, we pronounce brain death or you know, we, we've gotten to the point of, of talking with people of care, transition to comfort care, you know, to the point of Lopa going to the room. It, you know, we've worked very hard as a uh, person, physician taking care of that patient to develop that trust, like you said. And I think I really make a point to go in the room with Lopa. Um, you know, I've already kind of prefaced it by saying someone's going to come talk to you about some other things, um, and really in person giving that, like you said, that handoff, uh, of, okay, I'm going to turn it over to, uh, so-and-so with, with, uh, with Lopa or German and let them have this conversation. I'm still here that you, uh, if you have any questions about the patient or, or their care or anything else, but this is, uh, and really trying to make it clear that that my uh, priority is still the patient. This is somebody else that is is taking the other uh, a part of the approach with with uh, with organ donation, but handing off that that rapport that we've developed with the family, um, so that the family advocate's not having to start from scratch and trying and develop that rapport uh, from scratch by themselves in a very brief period of time, um, but. The other part of that, too, that I think is really important is that you know, the family advocates, are, they're not just there to, you know, get some paperwork signed and, you know, take organs. You know, they're really there to help support a family uh, during a very tragic, difficult time. Um, and I think that's really important it's to, for physicians to know is that they're just another resource that can be there to help uh, a family through what is a very tragic circumstance. Well, thank you for mentioning that is that is such that is such a special reminder because these family advocates, the the staff, the LOPA staff, you know, as well as you all, but they are there um, specifically to support the family. Even at times when the patient cannot be a donor, they still support them and do memory making items and whatnot. But, you know, y'all are a tremendous asset and uh, value to us. Um, listen, I was going to wrap it up. Uh, this is such an important conversation that we've had today, one that has been something that a lot of people have requested. And so if you could leave basically one thought out there uh, that you'd like to leave with, with physicians and healthcare professionals on the impact that they can have in, in donation and in the lives of others, what would that be? So I, I think it would be twofold. One, you know, make it a team approach like you do with, with everything that you do in the ICU. Um, just because it gets to the end of life and potential organ donation, uh, don't stop with your team approach there. And really, um, don't don't be don't be afraid to talk to the LOPA uh, team uh, when you get to that point and, and ask for help. You know, if you're not really sure how to approach and and how to answer questions and that sort of thing, don't be afraid to uh, to to get them involved. Um, and then the other part of that is. You know, yes, your party is taking care of the patient uh, 
and, and that is your first and only priority. Um, but be mindful of the fact that there's many, many patients who are out there that are waiting uh, on a second chance uh, at life, on the gift of life, and um, make sure that we don't miss opportunities uh, for that to happen because somebody forgets to make a phone call because you know they've been running ragged for 12 hours and and we don't want to miss we don't want to miss those opportunities uh, because again these are tragic terrible circumstances uh, and and terrible situations that these patients and families are going through but um, you potentially have an opportunity to have something good come out of that and, uh, the number of, of tragic situations that we see every day it uh, it does help to uh, to have some of these that, that have some positive uh, outcome from them. Well, Dr. Eaton, you know, we do not ever forget the fact that this is a loss and recognizing that, you know, we come together at a time of potential death. And so, you know, working together as a team is very important, uh, making sure that we can help, you know, these families and also give them something good that can come out of it by saving the lives of others. Like you said, those lives that, you know, are waiting a second chance. And so we appreciate everything that you and all of your colleagues do to help us in this mission. So I really appreciate your time. I'm just grateful that you uh, you spent you know that afternoon with us. Sean Paul, thanks for having me, and uh, very happy to do it. Uh, I think it's a vitally important uh, important thing that uh, we all do and all play a part in. So I'm just appreciative to uh, have the opportunity. This concludes this episode. Thank you for listening, and remember, you can register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor anytime at registerme.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Connected by Life on your favorite podcast app. And always remember, you are a light worker. Keep shining. production of LOPA. The content in this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional medical advice. To read our full disclaimer, please visit our website. The Connected by Life podcast is hosted by myself, Sean Paul Harrison. Our executive producer is Kirsten Heinz. Our production assistant is Chandra Williams, and we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.